Welcome to Unedited. It's our off-season mini-series where I share the raw tape of interviews I've previously done with well-known podcast hosts, stories that have been published at Under the Radar's magazine website. A lot of the conversation doesn't make it to the main story, but people are often interested in what someone like Rishikesh Herway, best known for the music podcast Song Exploder, might have to say. Rishikesh was one of the earliest interviews I had done for this miniseries. It was at the very start of the pandemic and the first time I had had the idea to repurpose these interviews. Because he was so incredibly generous with his time and his answers. As a result, we covered so much ground from his friendship with Samin Nasret and their then new podcast, Home Cooking, to Partners, his other podcast inspired by the romantic comedy When Harry Met Sally. We also talked about couples therapy and how, as a kid, he practiced piano on a piece of paper with keys drawn out by his older sister. At that stage, I had no idea that Song Exploder was in the process of becoming a Netflix TV show, and already I was amazed with his work ethic and hustle. There were many things he said that I found so useful when I went on to release Under the Radar podcast about a month later. So thank you, Rishikesh. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> can you hear How me? You? Yes, I can. Fantastic. Um, so I'm Celine. It's nice to meet you. I, I um, met your wife at um, a KCRW event not long ago. Well, oh, I just at the to be, on air fest. Yes, <laughs> and oh, we just awesome. happened to be sitting next to each other, and then she said, "Yeah, oh, yeah I'm, his, I'm his wife." I was like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's great." So, um, how are you holding up in um, in the midst of a pandemic? You know, uh, except for the actual um, anxiety and panic that the that the outer exterior circumstances are causing the my life inside my house is not so different as pre-pandemic you know um <laughs> I, obviously you don't have kids <laughs> yes yeah exactly yeah I mean, i'm telling on myself a little bit by saying that uh, <laughs> yeah it's a bit intense we i just sent my husband out with with my with my 13 year old well he's 13 yes because it was his birthday yeah. yesterday but yes um it's um yeah, it's like it's really difficult, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> but, man. Um, what's it like rolling out like a new project in the midst of like a, a pandemic? I mean, like you said, is what's the extent of its impact on you? That the podcast itself, and you know, it, does it have any impact? Well, you know, I'm I'm used to working from home, and um, and my my little space for like studio space that I that I use the biggest change is that my wife is now sharing that as her office her work from home office as well <laughs> and she has a conference call which is why I'm in the house talking to you and not in my studio okay <laughs> uh so so that's the one biggest change is probably I now have for the first time like an actual work co-worker <laughs> or like a co-working space instead of just my own little spot but you know I think uh biggest change for sure at a practical level is just it's it spurred the cr the actual creation and launch of the home cooking podcast oh. which is something that has lived in a place 
where I think, you know, so many podcasts live for so many people, both people who do it professionally and people who just think about doing it sometime, you know, so many podcasts live in the space of like, hey, this would be a good idea if we ever did it someday. You know, like, like, hey, my friend, we should have, we should have a podcast and we could talk about this. That had been where the idea, that's as far as things had kind of gotten with uh, Samin and myself. We'd been talking about doing a podcast together for s- such a long time. And, you know, I, I had even proposed the format to her of um, doing, you know, a kind of a call, call-in show where she would answer people's questions. The, the sort of all the fundamentals of what home cooking the show is um, were, had kind of already been laid out since back in, it, it started when she had helped me, she had helped me decode my mom, my own mother's mango pie recipe <laughs> because I was trying to do it on my own and it wasn't coming out right. And I was, I was talking to her, I was like, what am I doing wrong? What is, why is this not turning out the way my mom's? Um, would turn out and she was like oh you're probably not you're probably not bringing the cream cheese down to room temperature right and I was like oh yeah I didn't she's like yeah do that and so I was like this should be a show it's a detective show you're and I was like we should have a show you're uh Samin Nasrat chef detective and, <laughs> and that was like a joke from you know November of 2018 not a joke like but not a joke it was one of those things where I was like we actually have all the skills to do this for real but we were both busy with other things and it just never really happened but then when this when this happened it was a real it was a real motivator to to actually take that idea and put it into action because it suddenly went from something that would just be like a fun project between the two of us to something that could actually felt like it had some direct applicable use and some like timeliness and relevance to the situation and all of those things. And so I guess it was two weeks ago today. It was so, so recently, it was just two weeks ago today. We talked and I said, I think, you know, maybe this is the time and, you know, we could call it home cooking and we could talk about it, you know, just modify it slightly to fit what's going on right now. And she said yes right away. And then we just started working. So and all of a sudden now I had a, uh, another podcast in in addition to sort of like my normal work and so trying to keep the episode schedule going for song exploder and partners which you know they come out on alternating weeks um so that's already kind of like it was a pretty full workload and now trying to start a new show from scratch and like build all the mechanisms for it and get it out in time on top of the other two has just made um it's made for very long days um, but in some ways it's been nice because it's just, it's left very little room for me to fret mm-hmm. over the news. Wow. Um, so when I first um, was given the opportunity to do this interview, it was for partners. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So that, that was what that was about. But then I think as I was going into it and doing all the prep for it, I realized that you had been talking about home cooking and um, finally, um, I listened to the four episodes of Partners that I was given. And, and then I was like, oh, we, because Under the Radar is a music magazine. I was like, oh, no, I, I want to listen to, like, the music stories. You yes. Know? And, and, but I haven't had a chance to listen to those. But that didn't <laughs> matter because then when I realized that there was home cooking as well, I was like, how is he doing all of this? You know, the pandemic is great for him. 
<laughs> it's funny, you know, because the, the first episode of Partners was with Samin. Yes, that's right. And so that was that was sort of like the continuation of like our, our the sort of vague professionalization of our friendship in little ways. You know, she actually she ended up writing a New York Times story about my mom's mango pie as this being this kind of like funny sort of American like this kind of mashup of the Indian diaspora and like American Thanksgiving traditions. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up interviewing her and her collaborator on her cookbook, uh, Wendy McNaughton for the first episode of partners. And so we were kind of doing these things, but partners was, yeah, that's, that was the thing that I was, you know, I had, I have, that's my, that was supposed to be my new project for this year. It's been really uh, neat and interesting. And like that show is, is sort of much more in the um it's much more of like an outcropping of song exploder really like it's uh um the format of it is is really based on song exploder and sort of the way that i've learned how to tell those kinds of stories trying to trying to get something really intimate and first person and you know with like seeds of creativity in it and then me get trying to get out of the way so all of that stuff has been like my challenge for the year was to try and translate the the way my way of working and thinking about storytelling from Song Exploder into this other context. And you know, there's some overlap because there are some music stories, but but yeah, and then then this then this happened. And so that that's probably the biggest disruption is like I had this sort of arc in my head of like, yeah, here's my new project. <laughs> I was gonna ask why did you choose the non narrative format for it, but you've just sort of answered it I guess it was more like an outcropping of your original idea for Song Exploder um but and then I, then another thing that made me think was um also like why aren't you doing it with someone but then it's like you have like you know apart from this even in the West Wing weeklies you're already doing it with a, a co-host co-partner and then then of course when um, I listened to Home Cooking I was like oh my god okay so those things aren't important anymore <laughs> because, <laughs> but yeah where, but for partners itself, I'll, I'll probably build out the story a little bit more when I, when I write about it. But speaking about partners specifically, when and where did sort of like the kernel of the idea of exploring partnerships between two people, you know, you sort of describe it as a love story, but when did it first come to you? Um, I, I can't remember the, the first moment that I had that but i think that it it had sort of slowly built up over moments when i've done interviews in so so on song exploder the vast majority of them end up being like sort of solo interviews but every now and then there'll be a band that that i'll interview and or or like a couple representatives of a band or sometimes i'll do an artist and like a very close producer collaborator mm -hmm. sometimes those interviews happen jointly and sometimes i record them separately but either way i try and you know song exploder is so heavily edited um to take my questions out and things like that even when the when the interviews are happening when the interviews happen separately i try and edit them together to feel like the story is being told kind of jointly mm -hmm. And when it goes well, and it feels like it feels like the two people could kind of 
complete each other's sentences or riff off of each other. It kind of feels like, you know, being at a party and here and listening to two people, listening to like a couple tell, tell their story or something like that. And somewhere along the way, I think I connected it to the stories, the little interstitial scenes from when Harry met Sally, <laughs> where the old couples, it's similar to Song Exploder in that like, you know, they're, it's just them facing the camera. There, there is no interviewer. And they're just sort of giving their, their first person recollection of how they met and how they got together and what their circumstances were. And I, I remember at one point thinking like, that's a podcast right there. Like that, that is, it's like relationship exploder. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, again, it was one of those things that like, like song exploder too. And like, <laughs> it just sort of like sat in the back of my brain for a while and kind of um, percolated. And then, you know, last year, I took a year off from hosting Song Exploder, and Tao Win was guest hosting for me. The reason why I did that was specifically so that I could kind of, I just wanted to see what new ideas I might be able to um, germinate if I had that space. I wanted to just make a little, actively like choose to like try and make a little room in my life for new, new projects. And that was, and so partners was, was one that came out of that time. You know, I thought it's already like, I knew basically in my, my mind, I was like, well, West Wing Weekly is ending next year. Like that was a show that had a set finale date from when we started. We always, always knew that there was going to be an end. You know, we, we got, when we get to the end, final episode, that would be the end of the podcast. So I had been sort of thinking about like, what would, what would I do next? And so that was where, the idea came from I was like well I, I might I will I will have room for it I had that idea of like this thing and the, and then it sort of and, and I had originally I was toying with the idea originally of like maybe it would just be um maybe it would be like even more closely related to the when Harry met Sally thing and it would be it would be like romantic stories but then I thought that it would be you know it, it, like I thought that could be nice but then there was sort of like just like one flavor to it and uh even though I think those stories would be really interesting and I actually I do love hearing how couples got together. I just thought, well, it'd be neat to expand it more. Um, and I guess maybe I was thinking a little bit about my partnership with, with Josh in the, in the West Wing weekly and thinking about how much trust and affection you have to have for someone to make that stuff work. And so I, I, that the translation to go from, a business partnership being a love story, I thought suddenly felt like now there are two flavors to it or, you know, multiple layers to it. And it allowed the idea to expand, to include other kinds of partnerships as well. And then that became, then I got really excited and then I just wanted to start making it. There's like, usually there's something, you know, some like little, like last straw that makes it go from like, yeah, that's something fun in the background to be like, oh no, 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 no. I, I really, I see it. Did you pick the partner pairs for the series quite easily? Did you have like a dream list and just go out and got everyone you wanted in your head? How were you seeing the pairs that you wanted to do the interviews with? There were some that I knew that I knew I wanted to, to interview right away. And I knew I wanted to have sort of a diversity in the kinds of partners. I didn't know, you know, but, but also it's tough to start a show that doesn't exist and get people 
um, to say yes to, to doing it. So really the, the biggest limitation was who I could ask, who, who I could actually get to. I wanted to, I needed to sort of find the common ground between people who I could actually reach people who would be sort of different from one another, whose stories would be different from one another, as well as people who would be high enough profile that people would be interested, even without knowing what the show is necessarily. Nice. I think, <laughs> I think I love the Samin and Wendy episode most of the four I listen to. Yeah. Uh, because of all the tension, um, you know, and uh, when, when she tells that story and says, please don't call me your illustrator, I'm not your illustrator. <laughs> Do you know, just, just like that whole story in there. And then how Wendy yeah. goes on to say, you know, these are, these are the ways you're letting me down. You're being a taken down. You should invest in your relationships. And all these things, I was like, this mirrors the most common problems in any romantic relationship I've ever had and still have. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and yeah. you're right. And I said, and I thought, well, and also, I guess it's like it's how truthful they both were, and so kind of willing to just lay it all out on the table. I mean, how do you get that kind of like radio gold? <laughs> um, I mean, I do think there is some element of trying to make sure you're uh, like that. There's some element of trying to aim for people who are going to be emotionally honest and open and you know to some extent you can try and book and plan for that and to some extent you just end up being surprised you know like the reason why i chose that one to be the first episode it wasn't the it wasn't i recorded almost all of the interviews before i launched but i picked that one for all of those reasons because i felt like it really highlighted both the highs and lows that a partnership can go through and also, you know, kind of modeled what I wanted other episodes to be like, which was just like extremely honest and intimate. While clearly, like, there's still there's still so much affection between the two of them, despite the struggles that they had had figuring out their their partnership. So I didn't, but, uh, but yeah, I didn't know. Part of it is, I think, you know, you let them you let the mic roll, and you ask, you just like choose your moments to let them to try and direct the conversation and then you try and just say as little as possible and let it go. And so I would just, I would just try and nudge things here and there. I have to say the other huge piece of influence on partners has been my experience going to a couple's therapist, which uh, my partner and I have been doing for a super long time. Like well, well before, like when we were, for like basically a new couple before we had ever gotten years before we ever got married. Um, we'd been doing that. And, you know, with the idea that like, I just, you know, she, she and I just have really different communicating styles and, and it seemed like it would be a good way for us to kind of like set a foundation for, for things down the line. If we learned about how to sort of trend, if we, if we had the help of like a translator to sort of, um, figure things out and and i've really enjoyed i really enjoyed that experience and got so much out of it and i think there's part of this show that stems from like the kind of armchair <laughs> fantasy path not cha path not chosen version of my life where i'm like what would that be like if I just talked to couples about their problems and, and, you know, not that I'm giving them any kind of solution or anything, but it's more just like, 
here's a here's a space. I think I so I think I've tried to model the feeling of it and like the of the interview, you know, in some, whether it's, I don't know how consciously I'm doing it, but I know at some point, in some way, I'm sure I'm being influenced by my own, my own uh, therapist and like the kind of room that you allow just to let people say the things they really feel. I don't know that people necessarily get that opportunity so much, especially people who aren't, you know, in romantic relationships to just be like, tell me about your, tell me about how the two of you work together and like, what is it like and what's hard and what's what's the best part what's the worst part it's it's interesting because i i find like sometimes when i do interviews it's almost like a therapy session not so much with us now but it, when i do like a band interview um yeah. and sometimes like a band makes me cry when i listen to the music but then i made a, a band you know somebody that i love cry once in an interview yeah. and you know those sorts of things just happen you i mean there's no way you plan for it but it just kind of happens and sometimes they do say oh you know this is a bit like a therapy session because i didn't think about that that song still had so much you know it was like all these raw emotions that were in there i didn't really think about it beyond writing the song and then and then when you do the interviews they're forced to think about why they started writing the song and where it was coming from. So it's interesting, but I did get like that whole sense of, uh, you talked about when Harry met Sally and like for years and years and years, it was like my favorite movie. And then I bought it on DVD and never watched it. But before that, every time it came on TV or it was in the movie somewhere, we'd be like, let's go do that. Then we watched a DVD and that was the death of it. Um, But Samin kind of, interrupting Wendy to make that point in her to make that point that she's always interrupting Wendy yes that immediately I was like oh my god that's like I was it didn't actually come to me immediately but I was like oh that's very much like it was just that feeling of familiarity and then later on I was like oh it's when Harry met Sally (laughs) and also (laughs) also the the episode ends with I love you and and I'm curious if you had a line of questioning that brought up that interaction or, or whether that was just it wasn't the last line that there wasn't the last bit of questioning that you had it was just you know you chopped and edited it from wherever it was that they were talking about it um that definitely that definitely came towards the l- later part of the interview but they also said they were two people who clearly are very in touch with their own feelings and and like pretty self-actualized and so um, they mentioned that they loved each other a few other times in the conversation, but you know, but I had to wait, you know, wait for it to to include it at the moment where it felt like it was going to mean the most. Yeah. There was a the the first interview that I ever did, which is the most recent episode that came out, the Reply All co-hosts. Oh yeah, I love um, that too. That one was the first episode that I ever did, and it was really me sort of learning how to do the show you know that was the pilot um the pilot episode and it was my my first interview for the for the podcast and that over the court and i and i so i had this thesis in my head that did that a successful partnership is like a love story and listening to the two of them and so i was that was kind of guiding my questioning but listening to the way the two of them talked about it talked about how they fought and talked about how they worked together they were coming to that sort of realization in the interview as well and so at a certain point i just asked them i said have you ever said 
have you ever told each other that you love each other? And, and, then, and then they did. And then that ends up being, you know, the end of that episode as well. That's like, a, I have it in my notes, uh, best ending of the four episodes. <laughs> oh, the probably in a fight? Yeah, well, yeah, the first time they said I love you was probably in a fight. I mean, that's like true love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. And I, it was interesting because that was the other one that really stood out in my mind about like a, a real love story, the PJ one and the Samin one. And in some ways, the PJ one was more because it was because they seem like not as huge characters as Samin and Wendy as well. They they seem like smaller characters in some ways. And but they were talking about all this really intimate stuff and there's just two guys and, and you really felt it. And and when it ended up with, you know, what they say when when they say I love you, I was just like, oh I just completely <laughs> bowled over. Yeah. Part of it is too I think a, a part of it, too, is just the fact that they are guys. Like, if the exact same conversation had happened and all the same words were said in that episode and it had been between two women, unfortunately, I feel like it would have had a totally different effect um, because you are just more used to, as, as nice and wonderful as it is when you hear Samin and Wendy say it, it somehow does, I feel like, ha- take on a bigger um, impact when when you have these two straight guys, you know, saying it to each other um, in this public setting because it it suddenly feels more profound because you're like, wow, these these are guys saying it. They really really love each other. <laughs> How many hours of tape did you have with PJ and Alex? Did you and did you with any of the ones, any of the first four? Did you go out more than once? No, every time. Um, and same, you know, it's like with Song Exploder. I really consider it like I just have I have one shot to to kind of do it. It's usually too hard to to schedule, especially with celebrities, like especially music celebrities. And then and then if it's two people, you know, it's even really it, it's so much harder. So I, it's really like the pressure is on to get it done in that one time. And usually the interviews go between somewhere between sixty and ninety minutes. Cool. And then, yeah, I, I try and cut it down to about the 15 to 20 that it ends up being. That's so amazing. So full disclosure, I'm doing, trying to do, well, I am doing, because we're on our second episode, a music podcast mm. for Under the Radar. And I've already finished the first one and done, done the licensing and all the rest of that. And I feel really proud of it. But then I keep going back to the things that you do. <laughs> I keep going, how did you do it in 20, 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't do it in 20 minutes. It took a lot longer than that. I know, but I was like, so mine, they're, they're somewhere between 40 and 50 minutes. I must have looked like overindulged somewhere to get it that far. But yes, but I was just like, how does he do it? And, and the PJ piece especially, I really felt like I, I went to so many different places. I felt like it was longer than what it was. Yeah. Right, they're talking about frosted oh, That's great, dark. thank you. Yeah, the yeah. summer of 2017. It was like taking you on this gorgeously huge art arc that just kind of landed in the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, thanks for saying that. That that I appreciate that a lot. So you're like like a hero when it comes to just editing and just oh, thanks okay. so much. <laughs> so concise, but anyway. I mean, I think <laughs> the my biggest my biggest asset in that is my like absolute 
lack of patience. <laughs> I just, I have, um, I, I think I'm like, you know, for better or for worse, I am like extremely critical and self self-critical. And, and so anytime I can try and trim a thing down, I know it's not all, it's not always what people actually want. Sometimes people really do want to just hang out and like, spend time with a person in a podcast and like feel connected to somebody for a long time where, you know, the length of time really is part of the part of the value that you're giving them. But, but that's rarely been the case for me. For me, I'm, I've usually been like, I want the sort of the concentrated, um, I don't know. I, I, I just, and especially if it's something that I make, I really have been, I just, I feel like so nervous about wasting people's time or, or just giving them anything that isn't the best stuff that I'm always trying to just sort of like trim and trim and trim and trim. Yeah. Okay. Or like a guru. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the Rachel Bloom and Aileen Brosh McKenna episode how did you do you watch my crazy ex-girlfriend like how did that particular duo make it into your podcast i never actually heard of my crazy ex-girlfriend but because uh, you talk you talk about it and because of the interview i actually went to watch it and i was like the start of this is like felicity <laughs> yeah you know and what was funny is like it's all gonna tie in because when i was watching that i was like oh no this is like felicity and because i was doing it to speak to you and because you did the West Wind Weeklies and I had a moment there where I thought, you know what, I would really like to do one of those retro TV podcasts like, you know, Rishikesh did, but with Felicity. Um, mm. And then when I saw my crazy ex-girlfriend, I said, yes, you know, people still do that. People still yeah. find it like really interesting that you would like, you know, change your whole life for like this one fleeting moment you, you share with someone on the street or, you know, in Felicity's case, signing that book. But you know, but I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that because then I want to look it up and it's like, I'm really late to the game. <laughs> There's so many retro TV podcasts about Felicity. Oh, about Felicity specifically? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I can't do it unless like I bring something different to it. So then yeah. I, um, maybe I won't do it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but but um, in terms of that it's it was so nice because there's something i heard about just like when um, they when they started reply not reply or when gimlet started and he talks about how making podcasts that you know connecting uh, listeners to things they want to hear and i yeah. feel like that episode the rachel bloom episode and eileen episode is exactly that because it was an older more established woman kind of mentoring a younger up-and-coming actor yeah and just being so lovely and giving and making space for each other with it and i was like this is a case of yeah this is what we need to hear um you know and so i was like that that's amazing and and so i was like how did you pick that um, I mean, that is a show that I watched. I had heard about it, I think, you know, originally on Twitter or something. And it seemed intriguing to me because, because of it was, you, you know, that it was going to be this kind of genre, genre bending show. I always like, I'm always interested in shows like that, that sort of, 
use the idiom of a genre against it, you know, like use the idiom of the genre to like deconstruct it. And so somehow I, I ended up getting started on watching it. And I just, I really liked it because it is so uh, smart and funny, you know, the, the way that it, it like immediately just starts pulling apart the seams of romantic comedy. So over the, you know, so I, I watched every episode of the show and, um, I think I think what happened was I think at some point Rachel Bloom like early years ago had either like liked or retweeted something about Song Exploder and I was like oh my gosh it's a woman from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend like that that so I think I I sent her a message and asked her if she would want to like if she would want to I think do a little guest spot for a weekly newsletter that I was sending out, just a little like five song playlist that I would do weekly playlist. And I would have different people come, come and kind of curate the, the playlist. It was part of song exploder. It was a little thing that I was doing that now I have sadly for no good reason, just kind of like stopped doing, but I was doing it then it was called five song Fridays and she, she did one. And so we had these interactions online, but we'd never met, but I watched the show and I knew that, the shows that the show had a co-creator, you know, that it was a co-creator situation. And I remember at one point finding out or realizing that the co-creator was the person who wrote the devil wears Prada. And again, the idea of a show that sort of excoriates romantic comedies in some ways being co-created by somebody who's like responsible for one of the like pillars of the form. I thought that was really interesting. So I didn't know what their dynamic was or, or anything, but I, but I loved the show and I thought that I think that Rachel is a really interesting figure. And I just, I, I just was like, this just seems interesting to me and I would be curious. And it's uh yeah, it just seemed like there was enough, there was enough kind of um, thoughtfulness in the ingredients of the project that there would be something. I just hoped that there would be something there based on, based on that. And that's usually, I feel like the best that you can kind of plan for. Wow. And you got it. So you didn't really know the whole story and they just delivered it all to you. Like there's some awesome things that they say in there, you know, uh, I think she says something like, oh, um, she caught me all the time when I was peeing and stuff like that. It's like, exactly. yeah. <laughs> that's just like family, right? Like, like in my house, you, you guys, we do, you can be in the toilet and someone's just going to open the door. They need to speak to you. Mom yep. snack, you know, this is my Da Vinci project, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, there were just like all these nuggets in there. And I was like, it, it, you know, and then they say something like, I can't remember who says it, like women are conditioned to agree and be agreeable. Yes. And to yeah, disagree. that was one of my favorite parts. Oh, that's amazing. And to agree, disagree is kind of untenable, you know, and, yeah. I, and that disagreeing is productive. I mean, that was so instructive for me. I, I mean, yeah. Was that, I mean, like, obviously that was kind of what you were hoping for, going for, but, you know, were you? I mean, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what the story was going to be. I just thought, yeah, these are two, you know, people who have made this thing that was meaningful enough to me that I knew and, you know, and, and uh, meaningful to a lot of people. And I just thought that there, it just seemed like whatever it would be, the fact that the two of them did it, they started, they co-created, they have that credit and they got out of there and they agreed to do this together. You know, one good sign is that they said yes to doing the interview, <laughs> that the relationship was, is a good 
healthy, positive one that they would want to, that they want to take it on. And so, so then it's just a matter of like, okay, well, what, what are the facts? I was kind of, I, w- I was open to what, whatever the reality might be. Yeah, so good. And so, so from what I heard of the four, the one that when the sort of press release first landed in my inbox, the one I was really excited to listen to was Instagram because <laughs> I took Facebook off my phone like, I don't know, three years ago maybe when the whole kind of Cambridge Analytica stuff started emerging. And, yeah. um, and, and when Kevin and Mike left, um, yeah. I was very uncomfortable with Facebook already, but even my relationship with, with Instagram changed <laughs> because yeah. I was like, well, you know, and even today, like, you know, when I put things up, I'm thinking three, four, five, six, seven times whether I want to do it. You right. know? But I have to say that it was kind of um, the least satisfying episode for me because I felt like I didn't really hear what I wanted to hear, which is what happened with that thing. I felt, I felt almost like the story was elsewhere. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like towards the last bit there, there was one line that completely gave it away for me that like, I was like, I want to know that. And it was, he said something like, uh, when you go through things with someone, when people try to kill your company, when people try to throw you under the bus, all the stuff has happened to us. And then some, that line, I was like, whoa, you know, that's the story I want to hear. But then I was just like, is that just a journalist in me? You know, because I was like, well, there, there is a way of doing it without being salacious. But then I thought, well, maybe, maybe it's because you said that you're not really interested in being a journalist, like you want to tell a story. But what's the story there? Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry that you didn't find that one that one satisfying. For me, I really <laughs> like I I love that one. But I think I think that the I think I like it for the very reason that you don't, which mm-hmm. is that there are plenty of articles and pieces and bits of speculation and interviews, in fact, that they've given too about their departure from Facebook and sort of the, I did not, for me, it was the fact that they're the co-founders of Instagram is like the starting place. What the show is about is not, it's not a show about Instagram and it's not an episode about Instagram. And it's definitely not an episode about Instagram versus Facebook or the internal machinations of a startup. It's about two people and how they relate to each other. And for all of the f- stuff that they, these guys have gone through, from like being nobodies in a, working in a coffee shop to literally being billionaires, the fact that they never had a fight except for like one moment and still wanna work together after all of that, after having had like probably greater success than anyone could really account for, they're like, yeah, and let's go do another thing too. Like it, it, that I thought was really, that was the part that was really interesting to me. And so like for me, the most important, interesting question is like, how do you decide which one of you is the CEO? And what does that mean? And how does that work between you two? And it became clear while talking to them that they were like, like the thing that Mike says about like, you have to have some person who is the ultimate decision maker. And it's not just that that's an interesting idea. It's that to me, what's interesting is that there's somebody in a partnership, they're co, they're equal partners. They call themselves co-founders. One of them says, I am ceding ultimate decision-making power to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's a story. That's the thing that I haven't heard before versus, you know, Silicon Valley, Halton Catch Fire style, like expose of what went wrong and who stabbed who in the back. I'm like, I don't care. I want to tell a story about love. Mm. I, I missed that whole part that 
that there was somebody there who kind of seeds ultimate control to someone else because that is in a relationship too there there is yeah. that sometimes it ping pongs between one or two people on different things but ultimately i do think the politics of it they, that there is somebody who really winds up making the decision and somebody who's like yeah okay i'm happy if you make the decision um but yeah, yeah i missed that completely because i was all like i want to know what happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, so I have some other questions here, but I'm like kind of concentrated on time as well. So I'm going to go through and take the most interesting ones that I like. Sure. Oh, okay. So how did you get your start in podcasting? I know it was with Song Exploder, but how did you go from, I'm really interested in this idea to bam, let's contact all these people and make a podcast with Radiotopia. Um, I mean, the, the, first episode that I did, the first uh, like pilot episode that I did for Song Exploder was in March of 2013. Um, I did it with uh, Jimmy Tamborello. It ended up being the first episode of Song Exploder, the Postal Service episode. Mm -hmm. And it really was an experiment to see if, you know, to see if this theory or this idea in my head would actually be interesting. And Jimmy Tamborello is a close enough of a friend that I could go and potentially I could put potentially like blow the interview and it wouldn't be a big deal. You know, he wouldn't be that mad at me if I wasted an hour of his time, but I personally found it so interesting. It was the kind of, it ended up being what I had hoped for, which is like, I wanted to just be able to hear a song that I already knew. I, I just wanted to be able to hear a song a new way and having him, show it to me you, you know i th that's what ended up happening it was kind of like trying to codify the kinds of conversations that i had so many times before with other friends who are musicians you know where they made something that i loved and as both sort of a fan of theirs and a friend of theirs who has access to like ask them questions and as a kind of just some you know person who's trying to make creative work myself, um, whether it's music or art or something. Like, I just, I like, I'm always fascinated by what the obstacles were between the coming up with the idea and finishing the idea and what the crazy steps were that you had to, that you had to take in between to like make that come true. Uh, I think the process story is really interesting and you know, you learn something, I, I feel like you learn something from it um, kind of regardless. This is, I, you can stop me if this ends up becoming too much of a tangent, mm -hmm. but a big influence for me on, in terms of like stories, <sighs> hope, let me try and say this and I hope I can connect the dots, but um, I have never been actually, the, the I feel like this might surprise people given that what Song Exploder is, but I have never been someone who really like cared that much for music documentaries, but I love comedy documentaries. I love hearing about, you know, stories that comedians would tell about touring and playing shows and things like that. And I think because there are so many parallels to living the life of a, you know, as a working musician, they're actually, there are, they're so similar and and I love being able to kind of like hear those analogs, but having it be told in this different kind of context from somebody who's just like really good at telling stories. 
And I think that musicians, as good as they are at the thing that they do, telling their own story isn't necessarily the thing that they're best at. Mm. And on tour with Jimmy Tamborello and my band um, in 2011, you know, we, we listened to a lot of comedy albums and we listened to a lot of comedy podcasts and a lot of interviews with comedians as those were, that was sort of the prevalent podcasts were sort of the, the most prevalent way to talk, like engage with that kind of story. What, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, in 2011 and 2012, like most of the podcasts that were out there in the world were either about tech or about comedy. So that was just you know, what we would listen to. So I think that really influenced Song Exploder in that I wanted to do something similar where you could have, you could engage with someone telling these pieces of their story in a way that somebody who's not in that industry or not in that world could still appreciate and learn from because there's something at the core of it. That's just about like creative problem solving. So, so then it became a matter of like, how do I figure that out? Like what's the version of the show that exists where musicians get to tell a story about how they work that non-musicians might be able to appreciate the way that I, as a non-comedian, am able to appreciate the process story behind these comedy interviews. I would never have guessed that's where it all came from. (laughs) Um, (laughs) comedy but I can certainly see the the correlation there and I think also I think I I I came across an interview where you were talking about like you know like when we do things constantly being told you you have to have a specific audience in mind you have to think about who your audience is and start there and I remember reading an old interview where you were discussing stems and how like music geeks might get everything you're discussing but you make a concerted effort that your parents will also understand. Yeah. And I thought, oh, you know, that was like, that's like a really good point. That's really lovely to know um, that there are these different layers of things that are going on. What in your opinion are like, oh, wait, do you get to pick the songs or do they? It depends. I mean, usually what I will say, uh, again, like with partners, since I don't know what, I don't know where the, where the story actually, what the story is going to be. If I do, then sometimes it's maybe, you know, then it means maybe it's a story that's been told already before. And I'm, Mm. anyway, I don't usually know where the best story is. So what I, it's more like I've try and find an artist that I think is somebody who's interesting, like has, who has an interesting brain based on their music and what I know about them. And, And then based on that, I ask them which song is most meaningful to them. And that, and, and that's really what I'm, I'm trying to just get to the best story because ultimately, you know, Song Exploder is supposed to cover so many different genres of music that it's not like, this is the thing that I had to kind of figure out earlier in the, in the series' existence, which is that like the real core of the show is storytelling. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's storytelling about music. But the storytelling comes first. I didn't realize that quite at, at first. I thought it was the other way around. But the reason why it's that, it, so that's what it is, as opposed to something like on Spotify, where they have like the album and they'll have like a two minute commentary in between each track, you know, when the artist will say a little thing about, like tell you a little thing about the 
mm-hmm. about the the piece. It's not that. It, there, that's where the ratio is like the music is what it's about, and here you're getting a little commentary. This is a it's a podcast that is a storytelling podcast. So, yeah. what's the best story? Where's where are the emotional stakes? I don't know where those are. I mean, I can I can try and do my best guess based on what I'm hearing and what I'm reading and lyrics and things like that. And so sometimes I, I will ask for a specific song. I'll be, I'll ask about a specific song. I'll be like, this song seems like it would be a great candidate. Feels like there's a lot to talk about there. Would you be open to that? But I will also say, but at the same time, the thing that I'm most interested in is the one that means the most to you. Huh. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, can you recall your first partnership? that sort of worked. Um, it doesn't have to be a significant other. It could be perhaps a sibling, parent, schoolmate, early bandmate. Um, and why did that partnership work? And what about it has stayed with you till today? I mean, I was, before our call, I was texting with my, my oldest friend, uh, Matt. Matt Carroll and I, you know, we met when we were in the third grade. <laughs> and... And he was my best friend, you know, he he is my really just like the person who I have been closest to for the longest. And, and we are so different. He and I are, are really, really different. But I think that we, but again, like I just, I appreciate, he sees the world so differently for me in, in some fundamental ways. And it's always surprising, but then there's enough overlap and enough common ground that we like, I really feel like I can appreciate all the ways in, in which he's different. If there, there weren't enough overlap, then it might be, it just might be, there'd be too much friction or there just wouldn't be, there wouldn't be enough common ground for us to actually have that appreciation. But um, yeah, he's. Can you ex- uh, maybe give one example of how you're different? I'm trying to say, if I think of something that isn't mean to one or both of us. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think, you know, so hmm. Do you want to hold on to that thought while I ask you my final question so that I can get in there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, then you can just sit with it for a minute. Uh, I was very struck by um, a piece that I read that you sort of said that your sister drew you a piano keyboard uh, when you were little to practice on. How long from that moment till you finally got a real piano at home to play on and how did making that either finally having that piano or even if it's just a keyboard make you feel because for me it struck me as a sort of a nice metaphor for being able to thrive within constraints and still be creative which I think is what we're trying to do when we make podcasts yeah I um I finally got a piano in in 2015. Gosh, wow. no, in two, in 2016. So there were decades be, in between, and and it was a really big deal. You know, like it was a really, I think it was a really big deal for me and for my family. You know, for my parents to for for us to finally be like, look, I, yeah, here's like I. I, and I bought a piano and it was new, you know, I mean, it took me a long time to find the one that was like perfect enough and also one that I could afford, but it was, it was like a nice expensive piano and I love it. And it's, it, yeah, it was, it was not until my thirties. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I don't know. 
Yes, so do you want to go back to the next one? I almost want, want to like, oh, should I just get you to tell the story about this piano <laughs> in your own words? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I still was working within constraints because I needed it to fit within the sort of small space of my little home studio. So it had to be an upright piano and it couldn't be too tall because it had to like sort of fit. The, the physical space was really quite limiting. So that ruled out a lot of options. And then, you know, I didn't want it to be, but, and a lot of the pianos that are kind of the smaller size are more like student models. Mm -hmm. And, and I really wanted it to be like, well, if I'm going to be spending money on this thing, I'm really taking this step. I want it to be like a real, like professional piano. This is for my recording career. And like, this is a real, a real professional instrument. So I was sort of stuck between trying to find, like I was looking at these really, like the highest end sort of student models and, and it just wasn't, they, they just weren't working out. And then finally found this model that was like the, like you crossed the threshold and it was sort of this, it was like a studio grade model, but it still had the same kind of like smaller footprint. I ended up finding one through a piano teacher who I was taking mm -hmm. lessons with her sister is so convoluted. She was like, her sister knew this guy who sold pianos out of a warehouse in Van Nuys. <laughs> and so I went to like this place that is absolutely like in the middle of not anywhere you would expect. It's just a, it really is just like a warehouse on a small street. As I was coming in, uh, they were bringing in the piano that Stevie wonder had oh. been using on tour. <laughs> Wow. Um, like he manages rentals for like tours and things like that. Anyway, and that and I saw he had like he had some signatures from people who had bought pianos from him. He there was like a something from Jason Reitman, the director, and something from from Donald Glover. Who he was like, oh yeah, these guys all bought pianos from me. So he showed me the one that I was like, oh, this is the perfect fit. It fits my price range and it fits my space. <laughs> I drove my wife a little bit crazy. He had to order three different pianos before we got one that felt that was the right that had the right touch. Um, because I played one and I was like, "This one is great. It feels really good." Um, and he was like, "Well, this one is spoken for." And I was like, "He's like, but this is what the thing is." I was like, "Well, this is I love this." And he's like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna get another one in." He brought got another one in, and I went back a few weeks later, and I was like, "I love it, but it doesn't feel the same way as the other one." He's like, "Yeah, you know, they're all kind of their own animal." And I was like, well, I don't think this is the one. He's like, well, I'll have another one in a few weeks. <laughs> I had to go back again in a few weeks and, uh, and found that one. And, you know, it was like Goldilocks, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you know, ones. when you've spent so much of your early childhood playing on a piano that your sister drew, I, I just, <laughs> I mean, like, just like the thought when I was reading it, I was like, what did she do? Did she draw like different keys and then you pasted them all together on like a oh, long yeah. dinner no, it was table? Just like a, it was just a piece. It was just an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper and that had like one octave on it. it was <laughs> that, really sweet. Such a sweet story. And um, yeah. I missed out on like several of my um, questions, but there was one. It's like, you know, what is your, your relationship with radio? Because I mean, even before you got into your podcast, your band was called the the One AM Radio. Was radio always in your house when you were a kid? Was it always on? What was your relationship with radio and radio storytelling? That's funny. The actually the uh, the band name is is feels completely 
different from like as a medium they're completely different the one thing that connects them is the feeling of the sound the name the 1am radio came from uh more like am radio being a texture that like felt like an incredibly nostalgic part of my childhood my mom used to work nights and so i would go with my dad to go like pick her up she worked nights and she didn't drive and so my my dad would go and pick her up at night and uh and so i would be like in my pajamas in the car wait and we'd be parked waiting for her to come out and my dad would be listening to the am radio in the car and he would you know he would either listen to like celtics sports radio or i remember a lot of times at that at that time like the thing that would play would be like old like radio dramas or something like that but he would just sort of play something i don't even know how much my dad was like actively listening to it and for me it was just i couldn't totally follow everything that was going on but the sound of it that kind of like fuzzy crackly thing that's the thing that kind of got buried into my memory as that i associated with like a feeling of of like coziness and nighttime and being in new england and being a little bit cold and i think some like a feeling of not knowing exactly where you were like being a little bit um like the world still feeling a little bit new or something like that and so i wanted to just connect that sound and that feeling of like a late night and that kind of fuzzy feeling <laughs> i wanted to, to evoke that in the music and so that was how and i liked the wordplay between 1am and am radio and that ended up being how that became the name and then it just happened to be <laughs> that the podcast started but it wasn't really like i you know i never had a connection to it otherwise wow thank you we're going past our hour by a little bit oh, yeah. um Thank you so much. Um, I, I feel like it's so interesting, and if the quality of the Zoom is good, I would like to, like you know, just put it out there as some kind of podcast. Um, oh wow! <laughs> a little well, one-off because I feel like I tried my best not to speak over you <laughs> because because <laughs> I hate that, and also if I have to edit stuff, you know, it's impossible. But I feel like so much of what you said, I think it's got so much value. People out there would be interested in listening to. So I'll let you know how it goes. So the actual okay. print article will come out first and, and then I'll let you know what happens in terms of the podcast. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. No worries. You have a wonderful day and say hi to your wife for me if she remembers. <laughs> I will, I will. Okay, bye. Okay. Survival okay, pandemic. Thank you, you too. There's a link in our show notes to Song Exploder. You'll also find there a link to our Facebook group. Leave any questions you may have for me there about guests, music, thoughts you might have about something you liked or did not like. I'd love to hear from you while I work on episodes for Season 2. Till next time, stay safe out there.